0: hey up uh, podcasty people about to go live on YouTube so uh, I'm clicking about doing stuff so anyway uh, I guess enjoy this theme tune as soon as I see you go live (laughs) I'm muted on (laughs) YouTube so let's see how it goes right (laughs) the amazing starts this first time trying it there's a delay as well so I can't even check if YouTube's working right here we go I think a bit confused. Anyway, here we go. Three, two, one. Playing the theme now. Ten. Hello and welcome to uh, Imp LOP Live on YouTube and on Spreaker. Uh, and, of course, the podcast available wherever you get your podcast feeds. And this week, I've still got my cough and stuff. However, I thought I'd test out being live again, not been live in a while on like YouTube and Spreaker or whatever. If you happen to be listening live, you can hit up on the chat or on uh, the speech bubbly thing if you're on Spreaker. <laughs> but this week is all about... WWE versus AW. How great is this new era? Going through all four shows, just asking that question, and uh, just a heed of warning. I still <coughs> hear my, hear my voice uh, breaking into cough. There, uh, I'm still coming from an illness. I can't shake the cough. So just like then, I will cough. I will randomly go up in pitch at the end of my sentences as I try and not cough, and then only fail. I've literally just finished a cup of tea, British style, before I go live, <laughs> so I'm a professional. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, just heed of warning, there will be coughing throughout this, I'll do my best, and that also means the show can't be too long either, so, sorry Kath, no, <laughs> really long ride, oh shit, <laughs> as I hit my, <clears throat> as I hit my uh, wall sound stoppy thing, oh, I've got to stop shaking it, <laughs> total professional, <laughs> and also I swore, so that's monetization gone. Anyway. Yes, uh, this new era, I've called it WWE versus AW, who knows what this era will go down as, uh, you can't call it the Monday Night Wars, because obviously <laughs> not on a Monday, <laughs> uh, and you know, the era of the Wednesday Night Wars, I don't know, it doesn't really feel like a war, or era of competition, that's a crap name, <laughs> let's go with that, uh. but anyway, uh, we've got... Uh, the Wednesday night block of NXT and Dynamite going head to head. We've got Monday Night Raw with Paul Heyman at the helm. SmackDown on Fox with with things. <laughs> God, this cough is more consistent than I thought it would be. It's it's a it's an interesting era. Uh, so I thought I'd split it in two. As uh, kind of, as you saw a bit there, I'll do the new, as in AW Dynamite on TNT and NXT on USA. I know NXT's not new, but in terms of being on television and uh, that new era kind of thing, th- those two fit together really well. And the established mainstream of Raw and SmackDown, how have they been affected in this new era? How have they changed, if at all? Well, I mean, obviously, with the draft, there's going to be a kind of change, but how's the product shifted in this new era? Have they been affected by AEW anyway? Remembering, there's not competition, but, you know, they've just changed things. And <laughs> so it's... Oh, Hopefully this competition isn't, isn't too bad. <laughs> that would be a little bit irritating. Uh, anyway, again, if you're watching on YouTube, do hit up, do hit the like button. Apparently that really, really like, really, really helps. Oh, not likes. That really, really helps in terms of uh, the algorithm and things. Just any form of engagement. Who cares if it's a thumb up or thumbs down? I think the thumb up is better. <laughs> but it... I don't really think it matters. Just at this point, just any engagement. We're still in baby status of reviving the YouTube channel, and sometimes we've got some numbers that have just surprised the hell out of me, <laughs> like especially Wrestle Kingdom, to see that we were that we got as many as we did for Wrestle Kingdom, because uh, of course the there's the numbers for YouTube and there's the numbers for the podcast as well. Like New Japan, the fact that they've done our best numbers has really, like really surprised me. So that's kind of... That's awesome for me to hear. It's like, New Japan's my number one. Uh, uh, so I feel like I'm only, I'm slight, only slightly ta- uh, kind of tangenting a little bit because uh, I just wanted to also make the point, if you've not listened to me before, my number one promotion, the uh, one that I am most, I guess, suckered into, is New Japan. So when I watch these shows, I'm able to be a little bit more distant because I'm the one I'm invested in, the one that I uh, like really want to get engaged in, is New Japan, I do get engaged in these shows, but I feel like uh, that allows me some distance. So I feel like I do, I might analyze these a little bit differently, and I'm not watching them as uh, I like, but, uh, like my style of wrestling that I like. And need to that that's not how, really how I watch wrestling. I like variety. Like over here in the in Britain, we have this uh, like annual show called the Royal Variety Performance, and one of the things I've always liked about it is there is so much on there that there's something for everybody. It's like the variety show. And there's parts on it where I'm bored out of my mind. <laughs> I do not care. Uh, I'm not a man of musicals. So whenever they they bring on what the latest, I was going to say Broadway show, but it wouldn't be Broadway, whatever that equivalent is over here in the UK, proof I'm not into that world. <laughs> uh, whenever they do that, I'm actually just going to check my levels on Spreaker. I think I'm a little bit low. There we go. I guess you can't tell me podcast. Be unless you click the... Uh, But anyway, anyway, (coughs) but yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm bored out of my mind doing certain things. uh, Yeah, that that don't fit me. WWE in the in certain areas, I've done really really well at the variety kind of aspect, and that's I feel like I'm able to kind of judge it a little bit differently. That one because I I've kind of come into wrestling really like loving variety. Like I love the Kenny Omega Kazuchika Okada. Or, or, like, the never-open-weight, Rasta pro wrestling of, I guess... Well, Hero Ishii versus Keith Lee that happened here in the UK, uh, I guess, like, the year before Keith Lee got signed to NXT. Um, Search so that out, RevPro. I think they uploaded it to YouTube if you want to see Keith Lee versus Ishii. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that was my match of choice when I went on the Keeping It Strong Style podcast. Just like, oh, such, such a legendary match. But, yeah, so it's... It is a uh, so I, I I like that kind of match, but then I also am a, I'm a big fan of comedy and wrestling, mostly because like my world outside of this has been quite involved in the stand up comedy world. So I'm a, a man that's that, yeah, it's always a kind of supported comedy and uh, been invo- involved somewhat in stand up comedy behind the scenes, and that I, I, the, because I'm a fan of comedy that i really respect uh, com- comedic wrestlers especially ones that get over or the the good ones because that is really difficult as in it may look easy to well uh, as i was gonna say the untrained eye <laughs> but it may look a little bit easy uh, to when you watch somebody who's nailed their act but trust me that took a really long time to get to you don't just fall on that kind of uh, thing like uh, the uh, Big example is when you see a stand-up comedian on television and he you watches his set and you kind of think, oh, I could tell a story, I could do that. You don't see the months on end of testing that material out in nightclubs. Like, you don't see the amount of hours it goes into writing those, or the, yeah, just the sheer amount of effort it actually takes to get your, or the, the Mrs. Maisel perfect five, I think it was five set, <laughs> or perfect ten, I can't remember. Perfect ten might be a wrestling thing, that's why I was a bit <laughs> confused. Um but yes yeah, so I I have a big respect for the variety of wrestling. So in judging things overall again I feel like I can step back a little bit and because I don't have like one style of pro wrestling that is my style. Uh, I'm perfectly happy to have variety on the show. <laughs> WWE has always nailed that and they're normally pretty good at because I feel like they have to explain stuff to you to such an incredible degree that it's impossible to miss. <laughs> and uh, but that's really, really good for painting the scenario. I guess of the. Oh, I made the noise. Uh, predicting the scenario of what is about to happen on the show, like the you will know what the angle is, what kind of angle is happening at all times. Uh, as in, like R- Rusev versus Bobby Lashley and Lana. From angle one, you knew exactly what kind of feud this was, and it either was for you or was the furthest thing from it. For me, uh, in terms of like, variety, that falls into the category of something that I really don't enjoy in pro wrestling. I wouldn't say hate, I just don't enjoy it. So I just didn't watch the segments. That's the brilliance of a variety show. <laughs> and, of course, being British, because <laughs> I'm not watching live, I can literally just skip past it. Uh, again if you're American and you are watching live you have a very different view of the segments you don't really <laughs> enjoy that much but yeah I can just wind through them uh, obviously that's always how i viewed wrestling <laughs> so it's yeah, kind of cool when that happens but yeah so uh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit to Raw but I just wanted to get across the point that uh, yeah, New Japan is my number one promotion so I'm a bit uh, but I've always been a massive fan of variety in wrestling and WWE have always had that kind of thing cap. they've always had that cap where well, there's a segment I don't like, there's normally something I do. Which is kind of why I fell off the wagon when their world fell apart. <laughs> so it was uh, to rely on, I guess, the storytelling that didn't exist. And I'll get to that later, <laughs> in terms of the storytelling stuff. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about the new. Yeah, ten minutes in, I've long enough, 10.01. <laughs> so the, AE, the AEW Dynamite, as my cough makes me speak weird, uh, from a lot of potential to smashing TNT's expectations, where they were expecting 500,000 every single week, the lowest they've dipped is seven... I want to say low 700,000s, which is obviously to be 200,000 above uh, TNT's uh, kind of what they wanted, that's great. And to never to, and for that to be your low as well, like they've jumped back up to 900,000, their debut was 1.4, which was never going to be sustained. But the fact they've jumped close to 1 million on m- multiple occasions is... Quite. (laughs) That's not what I expected. I was expecting what TNT were projecting, maybe six hundred thousand. I think I went with. I was so wrong. (laughs) Just they've been uh, way bigger than the success than I expected, which is awesome. But uh, on the back of that, they have uh, of smashing those expectations. They've been renewed for three years, like really quickly, just months into their run. Uh, uh, And ever since that news came out, and then twenty twenty hit. Uh, 2020 has seen the promotion seemingly improve week after week after week. Like, every single week I'm saying this was AEW's best episode. Uh, Even Cody said it, if you've not watched his speech uh, after the cage match against Wardlow, that was, uh, AEW uploaded it, Cody Rhodes spoke to the audience. Uh, Highly recommend you watch it. There's no babyface that gets the kind of, like, beloved reaction that Cody Rhodes does. It's... It is like he's a friend, in a way. It's it's like when Daniel Bryan was so beloved. He feels like he's got that in AEW. It's it's so difficult to do that, and the fact Cody has is like that for me. That is incredible. <coughs> and uh, in terms of what that was setting up, AEW Revolution is next Sunday. it Will be their second pay per view, and yeah, what an episode they gave us this week to send us into the go home. Like after this episode ends, I'm just sitting there thinking, well, what they're going to do for the go home? Because this episode was so damn good at kind of moving the stories to the next, to that beat where it's now time for the pay-per-view and the stars have aligned, uh, and like, ev- yeah, everything's come together and you can see how the payview's shaping up. And there's just there's just a few more notes to hit out next week, uh, and you don't know where they could take it. Like what they're going to do with MJF to give him. Like will they do something to give him nuclear heat going into revolution? Is there one more thing? Or <laughs> I heard the uh, Wrestle Talk guys uh, kind of theorise that maybe there's a chance that Cody could uh, MJF sorry could do something like everything he could to make Cody hit him. <laughs> so like their suggestion was what if MJF hits Brandy because that was teased a little bit with the cage match. Where he looked like he might hit uh, Brandy, and then on Anderson, just like out you go, chap, <laughs> just chucked him over the barricade, just really nonchalantly, like badass, on Anderson. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, but yeah, so what will they do to send you into Revolution, like with that just amped energy? Because I feel like this show was fantastic in carrying that over, which is a testament to how much the weeks of build have paid off. Like this is long, the long term kind of booking scenario. Like working an absolute treat. Like this, era, like this kind of era now for WWE. For me, it's their most exciting time because the Royal Rumble forces focus and relatively long storm storytelling for them. So, as in directly, there is that run from January all the way to April where it's like one long story, nice and with the Royal Rumble winners. And for me, it's their most exciting time. The the of the twenty nineteen was not a normal case in terms of how rapidly things were changing and all a kind of all place and all over the place and the resets that were happening. But it's But WrestleMania gives them that focus. And quite often uh, this this point last year was also great and it kind of came off the wheels afterwards. But that forced direction really, really helps. And AEW kind of giving themselves, I guess, forced direction by... And by forced direction, I just mean you write to the pay-per-view and they're spaced out enough where you've got the amount of time to build to it. If, like Especially if like we had the MGF turn happen at the last pay-per-view and now he's such an established bad guy. <laughs> and it's still the same feud. They've stretched it out really, really well. Uh, and when I'm talking about some of the WWE shows, I'll use the term never-ending feud. When they've been going on around the same length, but AEW has done so much better you know, on kind of delaying it. But the big reason they can do that is because they haven't had that show in between. They've not had to have a match in three weeks. They've delayed it and done things to get, I guess, MJF over without him interacting with Cody, then enforcing the stipulation that Cody can't interact with MJF. <laughs> like, oh, it's built so damn well. But for me, the biggest rise is uh, Hangman Page. He his storyline with Kenny Omega is just a testament to the slow build. Then <laughs> it's just like every little every week it's a little thing, and over the course of the weeks those little things build. Uh, and you've got the they uh, na- got the on the name plate where you got Hangman's thing. Uh, I can't remember what what it was this week, but it was um, uh, it's whatever the Spanish is for how do you say yeeha and it was written in it's a comma. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> again, still recovering from the illness, and it's like quarter past midnight. Uh, but yeah, Hangman's nameplates, absolutely hilarious every single year. And... I just realised I need to check something. <laughs> oh, it's fine. <clears throat> and Hangman, yeah, and his storyline, like his potential slow heel turn, <laughs> that has been uh, done so, so well. And again, with those little things over time, just one thing on top of the other, like where he'll... Where well, he gave the young Bucks like nameplates for their future tag team championships, which was a mixture of a really nice gesture and an absolute dick thing to do <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but because of the kind of like drunk drunk angle to it, it I, I guess the idea that he would do things without necessarily like thinking about it too much, and therefore like the connotations of what he's saying is kind of lost. Like when you're drunk, sometimes that happens. And they're playing with that really, really well. <coughs> and it, obviously, with him and Kenny Omega as tag team champions, now going against the Young Bucks at Revolution that was set up this week. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> built so damn well. I don't want to go into it too much because on this very, on this uh, network, we've already had Dynamite After Dark, which broadcast live after the show. That was put on YouTube earlier today and be out on the podcast feeds as well. Uh, and the Kingdom of Honor Patreon. There's yeah, there's so many different ways you can listen to Dynamite After Dark, but. So they talked about this week's show in great detail. I just want to, like for me, it just was the best episode of Dynamite when I said that last week and the week before as well. So when I say it feels like week after week, it's been at minimum, it's been three weeks on the chart. I've said that. And it's just building that reputation where they keep improving. And the, the big thing is over these last like three weeks, especially you've stopped three, four weeks. You've seen little changes come into effect, like the feedback's been taken on. Now the changes are being made, and that's my like biggest criticism with WWE is they're they're like going ahead with stuff that the fans are clearly not taking to it. Uh, <laughs> I say biggest criticism, that's that's <laughs> blatantly a lie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's yeah for me the the creative uh, continuity being all up and down last year that was my biggest issue, and they're fixing that now. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> so my biggest pet peeve is actually being addressed. But it's like with AEW, like every single week, we're seeing the f- like the feedback seemingly taken on, and they are addressing things week after week. Like the women's division being reset, the Nightmare Collective being written off—that is like so damn good. This week, we saw promo like ninety-second or so promo packages before most segments, and they worked—an absolute treat. Like I don't know if that's because like now that they've got their position on TNT a lot more established and certain. That like they don't need to fear, for like from segment to segment, or, or people switching over to NXT or whatever, uh, they can play a promo package for a minute. Like it's you can slow down the tempo, like it's fine. And I won't be, I don't know if NXT feel the vice versa because uh, NXT. Oh, that's a tangent. i go over to NXT next anyway. <laughs> that's not tangent too much. <laughs> but yeah, AW for me, they've just improved, and you can really feel it these last few weeks where. Again, every single week, they feel like something gets addressed and improved upon. And it's it's great to see. <laughs> like, really, really does add. And the people who have slowly been built up, we got to see look, Wardlow Vessel for the first time in the steel cage, where he had been built and built and built over uh, so many weeks. Again, which was the long-term building like, coming into effect. Like The opposite of that is Jeff Cobb. <laughs> who that that plays into like the the much bigger story of the inner circle and the, of course their rivalry with John Moxley, but uh Jeff Cobb uh, as this kind of mercenary for John Moxley to get through, and he just scrapes by him with Cobb beating him, beating him up, but then Moxley is able to like a, super, a top rope suplex and reverse that into a pin and just escape with the win. <laughs> so even though he got beat up in the match. He got the win, and that's kind of important. And you see like the massive pop for Darby allen <laughs> Amazing to see. <laughs> I said I was going to maybe move on a bit and not talk about the episode. But this episode I enjoyed so much. I can't really, I can't understate how much I enjoyed this week's episode. It was, like you know, we are seeing the, the fruits of the labour. Like this is exactly what I was saying with the long-term booking. Like, they're not going to hit the ground running, which was, for some reason, in October, there were some people expecting them to be at the level of NXT. NXT that has had years to figure out what they are, and AEW were throwing stuff at the World Channel to find what they want the show to be. And uh, I, w- I was totally with. Uh, I like, I like it when somebody somebody when Tony Khan came out and he said oh like it's going to take us at least a year to figure out what we want the show to actually be and have it anywhere near what we want it to be and when you see a statement like that and I'd kind of like yeah that's great to hear that like, they're not expecting immediate success and not not just going out there saying oh we're going to be the best wrestling out there we're going to show them we're going to be the absolute best we a do we are amazing you trust us we'll be the best wrestling on the planet <laughs> and maybe you get wrestlers kind of saying that but to hear it from Tony Khan is like, oh, it's good. It's probably going to take us a year. That is good to hear, and the fact that like we're in February and I'm making these kind of statements, again, that's <laughs> like way quicker than I was expecting. I was with Tony Khan where I thought the throwing stuff at the wall. Maybe I'm comparing it to TNA's earlier days too much, but there was a big era of throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what was sticking, and playing with that sticking with, and then you stick with those things that to stay on the wall <laughs> The I need to drop the analogy <laughs> and it's it's great to see that so quickly that the feedback has been taken on and implemented and yeah, and you're seeing already the benefits of the long term booking, like the world feels so alive and connected which uh, WWE have often described as passing ships where you're in your rivalry, you'll be doing your stuff in your rivalry and you won't branch out of it unless you're in like a tag team match But then the opposition are your rival opponents. Like, you will wrestle your opponent a hell of a lot on the road. Unless you're like a veteran doing a WrestleMania storyline, that doesn't quite count. (laughs) Like, if you're like Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins, every single week he is fighting Seth Rollins or the gang. And it's reached that point already where we're kind of bored with it. Well, I don't think it's been that long. (laughs) Like, the Saudi Arabia show where he dropped the title, I think, was like late October, early November. Like, M.G.F. Cody's been going longer than that. <laughs> and they... <coughs> oh, this cop is really... destroying <laughs> this show. And, yeah, so Cody... Yes, Cody thinks has been going longer than that, but yet I'm more tired of seeing it because it's every single week they interact because that's his storyline that he's on that ship. And there are other ships that are about uh, doing their storylines, but they don't interact because they're doing their own thing. Now, that is like like the... I call it the Latino storyline. <laughs> like Rey Mysterio, Co- Roberto Carrillo... Uh, Angel Garza and Andrade like don't get me wrong I'm really enjoying that but it's just more, like an example of that is that ship and that ship will not interact with the Seth Rollins Kevin Owens ship just ever on the programming until their storyline is done whilst AW's world feels a lot more alive but that's taken time to get to and it will take more time to like really establish it and really make it feel alive um, I don't know if I'm just able to see a lot of the potential of it and it just feels more because of that Uh criticisms uh obviously that nightmare collective i thought was like the worst storyline investing but they've dropped it now so i can i can say i found it to be the worst storyline that was really dragging down the women's division but the past three weeks they've made just again changes week after week and they're benefiting the division so much uh, and they're just featuring the people that they had there (laughs) that put on a good show uh, like it was all there, but the Nightmare Collective, like the with time being dedicated to that, it was taken away from the whole division, and that one thing being removed, and then you put the time all on Nyla of Rose, like it just works. <laughs> They've literally just shifted the pieces, and it's all seemingly kicking together, and it, it feels like Revolution is the base they can then build from. Like I'm not saying the division is absolutely perfect because they changed the champion and they featured some of the wrestlers. <laughs> like no. Uh, it feels like uh, if none of those is the base, then Revolution is where they've actually built the foundation to then go a bit further. So that is, yeah. But other con I'd say maybe is the when I say the tag division, I mean the actual I guess long term tag teams where they'll go out, they have a match, it'll be fun, but it's not really more than that, uh, and. But they're doing, I guess. In term, I guess, looking long term, they're doing an amazing job with the Hangman and Kenny Omega storyline, which is now playing with them facing the Young Bucks. I don't know if Revolution could also be the launching pad for that. <laughs> like, just like, what do you do? There's the potential of what if the Young Bucks win, and then Kenny Omega and Hangman can uh, have their rivalry, and the Young Bucks can like elevate the tag division, as they said they always wanted to. There's a lot of. St- There's so much potential. AW, and because every single week they're improving, it's kind of like, well, when does the week come where I don't feel... I don't get that feeling? Because they're doing an episode every single week, it's going to happen. Like, even with my favourite shows, if they run every single week, there'll be one where I'm like, eh, it was fine. But because they've had, like, three, four weeks in a row where it's gotten better and better and better, and there's clear feedback taken on that has been imp- implemented to make that happen, yeah, it's, uh... <coughs> I am... Um, I'm so optimistic for this promotion, and I'm generally excited for Dynamite, which is great. Uh, NXT, as a part of the new Wednesday night block, uh, they were the benchmark for what WWE's product could be. That has been their reputation that they have built over the past seven years. Like To say, that when I was saying earlier, that NXT have had years to figure out their brand, their image, what they are um, as a show... They've had seven years, is it longer than that? Seven or eight years to figure that out? Uh, so to compare, to go, oh, AEW throwing stuff at the wall, they're awful. Like, no, this is to be expected. <laughs> this is exactly, like, the fact that AEW are seemingly having as strong a month like now as they are, like, that's a testament to how strong, like, their creative must be in order to get to this stage already. <laughs> NXT is at this stage after seven, eight years. They've been at this stage for a while. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, 2014, I want to say, is when they really hit the, started to hit their stride. Uh, but that's still two years. <laughs> Whilst well, I'm talking like five months. <laughs> well, less than that, because, of course, beginning of the month. <laughs> Four months it was with AEW, and they immediately started firing all cylinders for me. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to be praising NXT now. <laughs> so they, they were the benchmark for what WWE's main roster product could be, which at the time was going through... The failed Roman Reigns pushers and not really adjusting very well. Uh, NXT was a fun one hour show that nailed so many aspects and compared to the main roster, never outstayed its welcome. It was, just, yeah, a fun show. It was a kind of a harmless one hour that built stories really, really well and. Again, it was that thing of they didn't. The world didn't feel like passing ships. It was a lived-in world because of the way that they booked it and character arcs were a massive, like positive with a with NXT. How, like, I never really felt the need to check in every week. I could dip in and out when I had the time, but boy, that is not the case now. In this NXT on USA two-hour show every single week, uh, for me, over the first few months from October when I moved. Uh, like In the Wednesday night block battle, uh, NXT consistently set the bar for quality. Like, doing everything they could to make the show feel like must see television. Like, opening with Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle, or you immediately amped up the crowd with Poppy playing out Io Shirai, or Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic uh, blasting us away with one of their big man cruiserweight matches. <laughs> just, NXT, for me, continuously set the bar. Like I was talking, like I just talked about with AW. With this February. For me. Uh, NXT were doing that in November. Like they were. Consistently great. <laughs> just. Like without question. They were the best show. Every single week. Where I like. Sometimes AW came close for me. But NXT. were like. In terms of quality. Was winning every week. When I was kind of. Because I was writing my column. Every single week. I, I watch every single show. And then I write about them. So. I'm not just enjoying them. I'm analysing them in my head as well. And NXT. Was the best. Like week in week out. Like. November. October, is not really fair because it's the new era, the new stuff. AEW's new shiny toy, not quite. November stuff settled down a bit. They've had their full gear pay-per-view. NXT's had their run on Survivor Series. Like, (laughs) things have died down a bit. And NXT were on an amazing high. And they seemed to settle into the two-hour era really, really well. The only issue was time, and I've had to figure out my schedule, how to fit in NXT. (laughs) So it's, like, that's the... That's the big shift, and of course the other big shift is I lost WWE to BT Sport, so that's been the other shift in my viewing, so I wait for NXT now to pop up on the WWE Network, there's my schedule pop fixed <laughs> now it's AW Dynamite on a Thursday, NXT on a Friday, makes life so much easier just to split it up like that, and I now post on a Sunday rather than a Saturday, so I don't have to watch Smackdown and figure out a way to wrap up the entire column and... Quite often I've not done the Photoshop image, <laughs> so I have to get all that done within a day, which it's great to not have to do that. <laughs> but NXT set that bar. For me now, they're dipping a little bit into that feeling of I don't feel like I need to watch the show every single week, but that's only really cropped up because it's so much like nine hours to watch every single week is a big ask. And on a couple of occasions, I've just not watched NXT. There's just... Didn't have the time. Because <laughs> this isn't... This is not my full-time job. I'm not able to sit here, like, editing a YouTube video for the NFP channel, like, all day, as I'd like to. But it's... But yes, yeah, so nine hours every single week. That's excluding pay-per-views, obviously. That is a lot to ask for. And NXT turns out to be the one that falls down by the wayside for me. Uh, again, not forgetting, New Japan. That, that's nine hours, excluding my New Japan, which is, again, my number one <laughs> promotion. <laughs> uh, but yeah. The... The Wednesday night block was won by NXT for a, quite a while. But for me now, in February, AEW have really found their groove and they're really hitting home. Whilst NXT, they went out guns blazing. And for me, like TakeOver, for me, ended on a bit of a negative note. It was one of those where NXT, you could easily see NXT being great with the twist that they ended with. But the actual match itself, I was kind of thinking, like, am I getting burnt out on this? Uh, actually, Mafu of Mania, uh hit on it really, really well, where every single match, if they play out at that lightning pace, everyone kicks out of everything, crazy mental speed. Uh, you're fine with it for like the first couple or few matches, but by the time it hits the main event, you're sick and tired of it. And well, I wouldn't say sick. You're just a bit tired of it, and it doesn't get that reaction out of you anymore because you just you've seen it all night. So when somebody kicks out of finisher number two thousand of the night, that's an exaggeration. <laughs> when Galgano kicks out of the two thousandth super kick <laughs> or something, <laughs> uh, it gets no reaction. And take, so takeover for me ended on a note where oh, the match wasn't getting any reaction out of me. Like it did not do it for me, which like I felt a bit down. So that means I'm coming into NXT this week. Not really super amped because the twist was like, oh, they're doing uh Gargano again because they weren't able to do it last week, last year at WrestleMania season. So, yeah, do it again. That's nice. But I'd I I'd be lying if I said I was invested in the story or the characters. It's more of a, oh, that's nice for them. Like I'm not invested. <laughs> Part of that is because the match was yet another kind of 30-minute finisher kick-out kind of thing. And I was tired of it by that point. Uh, a W has shown me that you can do that kind of style, but all, but also get you invested in the characters. Like, to be fair, NXT shown me that, which <laughs> just the structure of their show tied me out a lot more compared to A W, which has got that variety. Which is uh, the point from earlier. NXT doesn't have variety enough for me. Like there's there's subtle changes. Like for me, Finn Balor, Gorgano stood out. <laughs> and I know rib, i ribbed on Gorgano earlier, but. His match with Balor was arguably the one that match that didn't have that issue in terms of the massive finisher kickout. <coughs> um, yeah, his match with Finn Balor was the one standout where they had a solid wrestling match, and it it ended just it didn't end it didn't go on too long for me. It was a it was a long match, but I personally feel like it ended on the right note. Uh, maybe one or two late, but that's a bit <laughs> over cynical. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, it wasn't that match that kind of tied me. So that was great to see, but overall, if they all go at that same tempo, then there isn't really going to feel like there's much of a variety compared to AEW, where there's so many different styles and there's uh, so many kind of types of wrestling that people enjoy, especially with Cody being a massive fan of that older style. We've got the brawling nature of John Moxley. Uh, you've got, again, the mental spot, uh, spot sort of finisher kick-out style of the uh, Lucha Bros. Uh, you've got the story that's going on with Kenny Omega and, Hang- <coughs> and Hangman. <laughs> <It's a cough. laughs> you've got the Beast, Nyla Rose, and uh, her now dominance over the division. There's so many different styles that it lends variety to the show. And if there's one criticism of NXT, is that coming out of TakeOver, I felt like because there isn't that much variety, am I starting to get tired of this a bit? Uh, and could that be why uh, yeah, I tune out every now and then? I don't know because I've already called it. Like they were trying to do the best to make it musty television. When I watch it, it's a solid show. I enjoy it, <laughs> but it's that I guess the variety of AW the long-term and the long term kind of building the characters really benefits them. The biggest hindrance of NXT is they are a developmental. They are the feeder system for the main roster, and eventually these stars they're building up are going to move on. And the time invested that AW. Like, AW will, will be able to reap the rewards down the line in terms of setting things up. NXT can't do that. They can do it from, like, takeover to takeover, but they can't go too long-term in terms of generating that investment because they'll move on to the main roster. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I know I, said I was going to be praising NXT because, again, I called it, like, the best show for me, but there is... It is an important thing where, it like, as we go long-term, like, NXT were kicking ass for those first two, three months... But now AEW been kicking ass for this last couple. And with NXT, I kind of... take over left me on a bit of a sour note. And of course, I've not watched this week's NXT yet. Because I, uh, again, live in the UK. Got to wait for it to go on the network. It's up now. But I'm busy. <laughs> Any other thing. I can't sit there watching wrestling all day. I've actually got to do the work. <laughs> but yeah. For me... They've both had their AW and NXT shows the new Wednesday Night Block. They have re- revitalized my wrestling fandom in this new era. I can't understate how important they have been in terms of me still watching uh, American wrestling, uh, as American mainstream wrestling. Um, like the AW NXT and that Wednesday Night Block, both shows are responsible for keeping me as that fan. Uh, again, uh, part of that is because it uh, gave me the idea to write the column. And that column has really helped me <laughs> every single week. It gives me a structure to watch the shows, it kinda of forces me into it. Uh, even though there's no opinion never comes into it. And so like with most people would be like, Oh, should I watch SmackDown this week? With me it's oh it's Saturday, I need to watch SmackDown for the column. Like, it's never a question of <laughs> whether should I or not. Uh, so in terms of keeping my wrestling fandom, that's really, really helped. With this new era with the Wednesday night block. Solid wrestling every single week. Like I was saying, uh, I, was, I was thinking, am I getting tired of NXT a, a bit, and am I leaning more towards AEW? I still really enjoy both shows, like every week, <laughs> and as a fan, there's nothing more I can ask for, <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> uh, but now to the main rosters, the established mainstream shows of Raw and SmackDown, the ones that have been in your house for decades, the the brand in WWE has been in house for for half a century, if not more. <coughs> I so can't be asked to do the maths <laughs> Half a century, uh, century now takes it takes you to the 70s God <laughs> It's longer then <laughs> uh, But Monday Night Raw uh, In terms of like short term They've gone f- Of this era They've gone from Rusev versus Lashley and Lana To a solid month Of consistently great TV uh, Saying Raw has improved in this new era Would be an understatement uh, The revelation of main event Drew McIntyre the Monday Night Messiah in Seth Rollins. Uh, Becky Lynch versus the Kabuki Warriors. We had Charlotte Flair in there as well. But like Lynch versus Asuka has been like an, an amazing feud for the, women's division, uh, for the Raw Women's Championship. Like, it's really elevated that belt after Becky Lynch had a year where she didn't really have any super strong contenders. But you are <laughs> now at the point where she's entering WrestleMania having had a really long reign. Yeah, so that really puts a lot of emphasis on it. <coughs> so I really need to cough a bit. Uh, there's been the solid pushers of Ricochet, Alistair Black, Buddy Murphy, and Drew McIntyre that have done so much to flesh out the show. Yet yeah, there's so much more substance to each episode. Uh, like even if Ricochet's scripted promos are awful, <laughs> even if Alistair Black keeps cutting these promos where he says he's going to. Uh, instead of waiting people to knock on his door, he's going to be the one knocking or something like that. I got into Walter White, <laughs> but um, yeah. So even though there's that, and then this week he faces Eric Rowan. <laughs> cool, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, with, even, and even though you get the same matches like so often, like as I talked about with Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, where it gets to that point where I'm getting a bit tired, the matches are all fun. The matches are all good. <laughs> but once you've seen them five or six times within the last five or six weeks already, you're ready for that next thing. And I feel like it's building to WrestleMania, so there's a lot of it left. It's the issue of everyone being on their own ship. AEW is able to prolong stuff because they're all on, on the one Jericho cruise. <laughs> I don't know where we're going with it. They're all on the one cruise so they can interact and stuff whilst WWE... Like, they interact with people in their feud, and you can't have your food go up You can't have them do that for too long before it's too tired. Like, for me, the best written thing on Raw is Randy Orton versus Edge. Part of that is on week one, he took out the baby face, and we won't see him again. It works because, of course, the story of the neck injury and him being a veteran Edge that we hadn't seen in a long time anyway. So we see him wrestle at the Rumble. He has an amazing homecoming, and he's immediately gone. You strike on that emotion. like It's fantastic. I can't make re- it re- enough. Only, again, I think I said this last week, the only downside is, like, no... Uh... <coughs> Good God. I need a cough button. I, I can't mute myself on, like, everything. <laughs> I've got, like, three things up. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So with... Um, what was I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that cough has absolutely ruined me So I try and figure out where I was. Ah, oh, sod it. Oh, no, yeah, Randy on Edge, that was it. So with Randy, it's a, the only downside is that like none of the modern-day guys uh, get their story anywhere near this quality. Like, when they go for a long-term story, it's like who attacked Roman Reigns kind of levels of seemingly overthinking trying to do something for your top guy. It's really weird how they do Roman Reigns. I'll get to that with Smackdown. <laughs> like, It's not that hard. You, are they overthinking it? Or is there just too much heads button or McMahon influence on something? I don't know. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, yeah, so Randy Orton and Edge has been built so damn well. Part of that is you see Edge week one and it's been three week, two, two or three weeks later now and we've not seen him. We've not heard from him and I doubt we'll hear from him for quite some time. It works so well in building up Randy because all, in all that time you can then focus on Randy Orton. You build up him. And that's what you've been seeing, again, on AEW with Cody and MJF. Because Cody cannot interact with MJF. That means you build them separately. And the focus MJF gets in segments without Cody, it adds so much. And that's what's happening with Randy Orton. He gets to explain himself or not. You, you get to see uh, the him listening to the voices in his head, the uh, kind of Issues he's having within himself with what the decisions he is making. There is a better word for it, but I can't find it. <laughs> uh, and it is adding so much to the story. These months without Edge add so much. And that slower pace of it, for me, is easily making it the best story that is happening. Like some of Randy on's like best work. <laughs> it's so damn good. Like, I cannot praise it enough. But again, part of it is that they're not interacting every single week. Like, you get to soak it in, build it up. You're building up already your heel character without him interacting with Edge at all. <coughs> that works so damn well. And that's the opposite of Seth Rollins' Kevin Owens, where it's every single week to the point of you getting tired of it. Even though it's good, but because it's every single week without any breath, without any week to just soak something in, to just like they don't have a match you build a character or something like that like Seth Rollins has his sermon and there's no brawl with Kevin Owens and the Viking Warriors <laughs> something like that <coughs> i quite I like quite a lot uh but no they're interacting every single week to the point of getting a bit tired like you know what's going to happen the it's diluted too much the excitement's going down that I was talking about with NXT doing the same thing too often yeah, it starts to get a bit tired after a while. Like AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura. How many times did they base each other for the title in such a short span? <laughs> Where really, if they just had the WrestleMania match and left it. you build, Instead of having Shinsuke Nakamura, because those first couple of weeks after WrestleMania were great. But when they started having to wrestle each other at the WWE standard pay-per-views and then in Saudi Arabia as well. It started to add up and suddenly they faced each other five or six times for the title within like a two month period and it's insane. <laughs> I might have exaggerated a little bit, but I remember feeling overly done with it. Where those first two weeks where they were building up Shinsukei Nakamura's new heel character, they were the best. <laughs> they were amazing, they were great. <laughs> and really for me, if you continued that to build to the next pay-per-view, rather than him immediately just staying the title scene with AJ Styles like long term that adds so much but of course the reason he's doing his heel stuff is because he's the heel in the AJ Styles storyline so they're still on the same single boat <laughs> it's like oh that sucks <laughs> uh. but yeah overall though the actual show of Monday Night Raw I've been genuinely enjoying uh, as I said earlier saying that they've improved is an understatement like the shows have been genuinely great like, like AEW to be fair after the Royal Rumble, uh, Raw has been consistently strong, benefiting off of like the solid pushers for the. I guess the people they've selected to get those solid pushers, over because I've been doing it over time since I guess Paul Heyman took over and the October shuffle. About they've been like so, so like consistently pushing certain people, building them in a way, and now they are benefiting from that on the road to WrestleMania because they put in the work. Which is the opposite of what we're seeing on Smackdown, <laughs> so I do want to, before I get into negative numbty down. I just want to give all the kind of positives to my Raw, especially since the Royal Rumble they have been hitting every single week. Only criticism is for me they're too long, so i'm get I'm tired by the time I hit the main event, but that's just a me thing. I don't know if that's grumpy imp who just remembers the two hour shows and how well they hit for more, and I've never been a fan of three hours <laughs> uh, yeah anyway. Before my voice fully get... you know what, before I hit SmackDown, I am gonna to have to drink some water. Yeah. So suddenly realised my chest hurts from coughing so much. This has not been a healthy show to do. Uh so SmackDown. I ha- well, I had to eventually get around to Grumpy Imp. Um uh, you know what? After the last year or so where it was WWE doing twenty nineteen with so much negativity around wrestling it's generally great that I can say we're in an era where we're getting three solid wrestling shows each week. Uh, it's not four, though. I'm <laughs> talking about SmackDown. I've praised wrestling enough. Um, first with SmackDown, don't get me wrong, I'm really digging everything The Fiend does, bar the Saudi Arabia shows. Um, and also on SmackDown, Otis is so damn lovable. <laughs> so I, I'm enjoying that as well. Um, but as a show as a whole... And especially the main event, especially compared to everything else as well, it's just below par. It's easily my least favourite show, by some margin. Uh, The main event scene with a never-ending feud with Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin, for me, sucks the life out of Smackdown. Uh, Whatever the reason is... WWE seemingly just don't know how to book their supposed top guy. <laughs> like I generally like Roman Reigns now, and I finally see him as that genuine number one guy. But man, his his storylines have sucked. <laughs> Who attacked Roman Reigns was not well written, and they ended up course correcting it into something actually decent. But though that first half of it was just. Crap! <laughs> it was it was just it was not good. <laughs> they were blatantly making it up as they went along, and they fell onto something good. Eric Rowan saved that <laughs> storyline essentially, um, and then of course the stuff with Baron Corbin. It's the same thing I was talking about with Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens, but it's been going on. I want to say since October, and we're now in February, and there's no end of it in sight. They keep having matches every single week, and I'm ready for them to move on. <laughs> and it it kind of. <laughs> For somebody who watches SmackDown every week, and it's it's the one show where I put it on and I've got no excitement at all. I know a lot of people uh, put my main my stir uh, WWE together. But for me, there's a massive difference between Monday Night Raw and SmackDown in this new era. SmackDown is seemingly everything I don't like about WWE on one show. Raw, Rusev, Lana, Lashley is the only feud that I don't care about it says <laughs> so much <laughs> obviously I'm but I'm ignoring the Saudi Arabia stuff because I don't watch those shows I don't really I'll skip the promos I don't really care for it like Bray Wyatt talking to uh well I didn't talk to Goldberg but it's actually Goldberg they were talking to Hogan last week that's like immediate skips for me and uh yeah like, I don't want to be questioning my like making answering those morality questions whilst I'm watching my wrestling uh, and I will just skip it. So yeah, I'm not going to force anybody else to think uh, to decide that. Like, for me, it's kind of like look into it yourself. And if you're fine with it, you're fine with it. <laughs> like that's perfectly fine with me. I'm not fine with it, therefore I don't watch the show. It's it's not that it's not too crazy. <laughs> I'm just going to check YouTube is still being nice to me. <laughs> yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> but yeah, so SmackDown is kicking. Um, my balls. <laughs> so, that's, because I, say I was saying kicking ass, want to put a twist on it, and then realised I probably should have just stuck to my notes. <laughs> don't go crazy. Um, I guess this is quite a good way to link back. With Roman Reigns, do they overthink it? Like, I don't. Whatever the reason is, the Roman Reigns kind of pushers, they they just don't work. The only one for me that, well, two, on two occasions it has worked, and that's when they've injected kind of the heel side a little bit more. and it, and by that I mean it's just giving him him attitude. And I'm I'm not doing this as a uh like attitude needs to come back kind of thing. I am more in the camp of Cody, because I never I didn't grow up with the attitude era. I I guess the fur technically I did a little bit. First ever show I watched was WrestleMania 17. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> uh, but I didn't have WWE properly in my house until late 2005. So I I jumped in right for like the second half of the Ruthless Aggression. So it's like me watching the original the regression era, I wasn't watching then, so I don't have like a mass amount of knowledge. All I know is from that one absolutely massive porky <laughs> like the absolutely crazy just lies of the w w f to w w e name change um that throws the like, uh, it throws into question every other thing like, it, it, it throws into yeah it throws into question the truthfulness of every other statement made in the show. Uh, obviously some, more, some can be like backed up more than others but it's, the statements made on the show are all now, as far as I'm aware, not believable and I'll need a second source to confirm it for me. <laughs> That's what happens when you tell such an absolutely massive lie is you then don't believe anything they tell you and you have to like go to a second place just to see well what part of the show was true. <laughs> uh, Tangent did a little bit. But uh, yeah, so what I was saying with Roman Reigns getting some attitude, like when he faced AJ Styles, and it was like when I say teasers of being heel, he was he had so much attitude when he was with the Usos originally, and <coughs> after he defeated the Undertaker, and he was getting those insane reactions uh, with like solid boos, and he was uh, able to like manipulate and direct that really really well. Um, it wasn't just in that one match, in that one like post WrestleMania um, one like more. Like for uh, for a little while, like he seemed to be hitting on something like really really strongly, but whenever they generally try to push him as this number one babyface, it just falls flat. <laughs> and without the attitude, it just. Uh... But yeah, so as I was the point I was trying to make is I fall more in line with Cody. Of uh, yeah, I can, well, I can see the benefits of the era. so I, I can see it a bit, but I feel like it's time to move on, and I don't think attitude Julia coming back is the thing that needs to happen. Of course, I wasn't watching WWE at that time, so I can't really speak too strongly. But I can say that that is not the thing that needs to happen. Roman Reigns, though, for me, has been at his best when he's got that badass attitude to him on top of his current character, which obviously got lost whenever they've tried to push him. Seemingly, cause One of the things I used to say was he had a different character every single time they did a new push or something. Uh... Or whenever one storyline had moved to the next one, he has got new attributes or whatever, and he's fine with going against something that would would have in the past. <coughs> but he now, I feel like he's got established character, even though his storylines have sucked. They've done the job of putting him in place with a solid character, and I feel like he, I've, I've been calling him the, the guy who's surely taking on the fiend purely because of that. Which again, that is a massive pro. But the massive con is the feud with Baron Corbin is dragging down the entire show, and that's for me. After the feud, like right, who attacked my Reigns was dragging down the show. He's then moved on to the next storyline with Baron Corbin, which has dragged the show. <coughs> 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 oh god! <coughs> Amazing <laughs> podcast stuff. Oh, another drink of water. Uh, mm. Oh, AEW aftershock for <laughs> next week with Jan. Oh, I'm gonna have a massive cup of tea for that. (laughs) This is what I'm like at like 1 a.m. Never mind four or five when we go live with that. (laughs) Thank God I can have a cup of tea right in front of me. Uh, But anyway, uh, yeah, SmackDown for me—it's the one show I'm not enjoying. And when I talk negatively about WWE, I I have to sometimes like check myself because I am aware that really it's just SmackDown. Like, a lot of the cons are associated with the one show. And in that, the one storyline. But because that storyline is the main focus where most of the energy goes into, like, creatively, that, it it says something to me. Where the main event just drains the life out of the show for me. And that sucks. Uh, I'm not excited, with the show opening and closing, and mainly being focused on that. Like, the fact I'm not invested in it, like, it really... It drains my excitement, <laughs> which again sucks. <coughs> but in terms of this new era, I don't really know what I could say has changed for SmackDown other than moving to Fox. I feel like in terms of SmackDown, Fox has been the biggest influence, not the, I guess, All Elite kind of thing. There might have been little tweaks and changes, but nothing major. So I wouldn't say that like the main roster for WWE has been that impacted, really, Uh but we're seeing things like um, scrapping scripts for promos, which that's been one of my major things. Like with Ricochet, the, like the amount of times where you hear promos and they, they don't sound like people. or I think the, the phrase I used before is they're interchangeable, where you could have what Ricochet come out, or you could have uh, Kevin Owens come out, and <coughs> like Kevin Owens is better at kind of making it more unique with the way he says it. But in terms of what is written. You could literally swap one person out for another and you wouldn't be... You wouldn't notice a difference. And that's a really massive con for me. Because if, if you give more, like, bullet points to the person, they will automatically make it their own because they've kind of got to. But when you've got... Yeah, when people are written for, yeah, they kind of become homogenised and that's not good. <laughs> so, yeah, to little changes like that because AEW, with their... The way they do their promos, that's a massive pro... And, like, immediately that was the thing that, in terms of, like, comparing in those first couple of months, like, immediately AW not having scripted promos was a major plus. So if WWE kind of shift back to that, or even if it's just one show, that is a major pro. Uh, and in terms of the analysis, again, like, in terms of Raw and SmackDown, Raw, for me, is mostly positive, generally enjoying it. SmackDown is the only show where it feels like it feels like the negative side of WWE from these past few years is still there. Uh, but there is consistency. It does feel like a world that makes sense and the ground hasn't fallen out beneath it like it did last year. <laughs> so it's a lot more stable. It's one of the things where it's good to have like storyline consistency and uh, character continuity. Like, But their storyline basics, the fact that WWE have now got those is an improvement. That is good. They're a lot more stable. That's great to see. But the storyline still have to be good. <laughs> That's where the next part kind of comes in. All because they're doing the thing doesn't mean I automatically like it. That means you've met the basics for storytelling. Well done. <laughs> and I dropped it earlier. we saying that I'd bring it back later in terms of storytelling, where WWE tra- uh, kind of touts that um, they are storytellers <laughs> and that is what they do. However, AEW is currently destroying that destroying them in that vein right now they are telling stories in wrestling so much better than wwe have in uh, this past year that it's i want to say it should be embarrassing but really i think that's a bit too strong (laughs) it back a little bit it really should be like just a wake-up call to wwe really that they can say that all these things but they're not doing it and really that's all that matters. And especially as a wrestling fan, all that matters, like in terms of like money, like WWE really don't need to care. <laughs> They're making so much money. <laughs> uh, well, maybe they do need to care because attendance is dropping and whatnot. But anyway, like, AEW in terms of storytelling are doing it at a much better standard of WWE. Until I get to this current era of Raw, suddenly SmackDown is the one with my issues with WWE. And Monday Night Raw is starting to nail it out of the park. Like, Randy Orton Edge might be my favourite storyline in wrestling right now. Like, it was Hangman and uh, Omega's slow-building thing, but for me, Randy Orton Edge is... <laughs> like, that is fantastic stuff. Uh, <laughs> again, current roster will never get anything like that, and that's part of the problem. AEW's current roster is getting that kind of storytelling. That's what needs to change. They can't just save it for the veterans from WrestleMania... AEW are showing WWE how to do the thing they claim to be good at (laughs) and to be fair WWE have done it in the past they're just not doing it now but again I don't know how I don't don't feel like I um, should go too strongly in on that in that WWE the ground fell out last year now they're at a place going into WrestleMania that is completely fixed like, they spent the, last, the second half of 2019 seemingly fixing it, and now 2019, with the road to WrestleMania, they can have that solid run with that forced focus, build to WrestleMania, and they can launch off of there. <coughs> of course, I said a very similar thing last year, and for me, they yeah, the story got really over-convoluted, but I did enjoy, and to, to a hilarious degree, with the women's main event, but I still enjoyed the road. And the run from Roy Rumble to WrestleMania was damn strong. Well, TLC to WrestleMania, really. Like a really strong run for WWE those entire months. Again, with one of the best storylines they've ever done with Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan. It was an amazing stretch to WrestleMania. Then immediately, the the it's yeah, that's when the floor fell out. Like immediately after WrestleMania. Uh, and even in there, you had your... When I said they had an amazing run... You still had... Like, Monday Night Raw was still so difficult to watch. <laughs> it was not, not a great show. Um, but there was a lot of pros in there. Especially post Royal Rumble. Like, they did two resets. One after TLC. One in February. And then you got the other reset after WrestleMania. Like, the issues were happening. And it was like... They were seemingly setting up for the floor to their fallout. Like, they were taking the, taking the pieces out that kept it together. And then after WrestleMania... When you have to rely on that (laughs) floor, Down it goes. (laughs) I don't know if that analogy made any sense. And I feel like it got away from me. (laughs) But it's a perfect way to kind of wrap up the show. So I am mostly positive about the current era. Like in terms of how great is it. Three out of four ain't bad. Especially compared to the last era. Where like somebody like me. To get my fix of wrestling. To keep my fandom alive. I'd gone to Japan. Like they became my number one. Uh, for over the last like few years or so, WWE went right down in my kind of perception. NXT, the only pro with that com- with the company, uh, and then getting this new era where Wednesday nights to get NXT and AEW. Like I, again, I can't say I guess say thank you enough <laughs> for that happening because it is kept my f- fandom alive. And I come into this show just hyped to do it every Thursday because I've watched AEW. Um, and I'm <coughs> oh, to be fair, I was still hyped to do it when I had NXT as well. So just to make that comparison, it's, it is nice to see that I still have that. And I'm really enjoying One Night Raw. It's just, again, too long, but I am still enjoying it. Uh, and it's just SmackDown. <laughs> and again, even on SmackDown, I love The Fiend. He is so up my street. Uh, he's not of the current, I guess, work rate is... A work rate on pay per view is the top thing when Bray Wyatt is wrestling character matches in bad lighting. <laughs> like, he's like a character of a bygone era in a way, like that, but he's right up my street. Like, I I really rate everything he does. And But again, when you're doing one of those character matches, they're not what the. It's a weird one where it's not what the, the live audiences want. And AEW's giving that great mix. NXT, it might not be my street, but as far as I can tell, yeah, they're still delivering on that, whilst WWE. The Fiends may be a good example of actually nailing the storytelling and character aspects, but are you giving the fans what they actually want? (laughs) Those live fans are not giving the greatest reactions to his matches. So long term, that might be a bit of an issue. Anyway, I'm going to, be to- I'm going to be happy. Three out of four ain't bad. <laughs> this era for me as a fan, I think it is great. I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, WWE again, they're the I guess. I want to say the big negative. It's mostly SmackDown. Uh, I question my fandom every time it's a Saudi Arabia show. So more for me is not good. <laughs> Just in terms of my fandom for the company, I know whenever there's a show and um, I am um, asked that morality question and my I fall on the side of not liking it, my fandom is tested every time there is a show, and every time they bring Hulk Hogan back as well. And again, it's another morality question, on top of more that have already been asked. <laughs> like I... Again, if you're fine with it, you're fine with it. I don't really mind or care, it's fine. But in terms of testing my fandom, the more they do it, I- I'm not going to let up. I'm going to be... My fandom will be questioned more regularly, which can only be bad. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> In terms of me staying subscribed to the network, keeping up the Aftershock shows, like, the more my fandom gets tested, the less willing I will be to, obviously, do that. Because <laughs> I'm not mental. <laughs> anyway, I need to wrap this up. So, how great is this current era? Bloody great. <laughs> to brit it up a little bit. Um, yeah. Anyway, but what do you think? are? Oh, uh, what do you think of this current era overall? Do you spot any like blatant influences from one to the other or whatever? Uh, are you joining the Wednesday night blocks? What's your favourite show? What's your least favourite show? <laughs> uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at TheDamnImplicat. Uh, read my columns they get posted now every Sunday. Uh, the last one has done gangbusters. <laughs> it's done really, really well. Uh, where I was asking which uh, show had the best women's division. I might kind of take this format from this show and put it into the column. Um, kind of make it work like that because this show gives me opinions on things which is quite useful <laughs> right in the column um, anyway and please do listen to all the other shows here on LOP Radio uh, I already said live after AW there is Dynamite After Dark uh, Fridays is now the uh, late not the late shift <laughs> the Legacy Series both are TLS <laughs> the Legacy Series uh, for the NWA with Jan Man at, not Jan, Jesus <laughs> Prove I'm not right with uh, Miz. <coughs> Miz, and Mystic. Jesus Christ! I've been trying not to say the JC because of YouTube stuff. <laughs> anyway, the Legacy series with Miz fan and the Mystic is every Friday now. Uh, Saturdays is reserve R AEW Aftershock stuff. Uh, again we'll be live next week with that immediately after the pay-per-view Sundays with WWE Aftershock Mondays uh, Mondays is not Kingdom of Honour because Tuesdays is Kingdom of Honour with Jamman and his friend Jeff talking about New Japan and Wednesday's plans sports entertainment is dead has ended it ended last week it's the final episode, so if you want to go and say goodbye to him and read the, yes, listen to read, listen to the final episodes of the show. My voice is going. I want to just say thank you for listening to all of this and all of the shows. Give us reviews on iTunes. The I guess the favorite thing on speaker they've got our rhythms too. The like here on YouTube or, or anything on YouTube, even if you just comment with a smiley face, it's engagement. YouTube likes that. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. I'm going to have a pint of water (laughs) to get my vote back. Uh, I'll be back next week with a I think preview for Revolution. Uh, Again, I'll see what Dynamite After Dark guys do. They recap the show so it might give me a bit of leeway to do a full-on prediction. Uh, Anyway, thank you for listening. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. End. (laughs) (coughs) 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 Ah. Anyway. Ah total 71 minutes mixed. oh that's good uh stream. I don't know where I'm going with this anyway thank you podcast people for sticking around as I click about on YouTube like a really sane person let's end the YouTube stream as uh, I've gone oh right I am going to go to bed <laughs> thank you for listening to this uh, YouTube uh, podcasty people I'm now going to play the theme because that's your bonus <laughs> anyway join me next week oh I did off. <laughs> Good night. Ten.